Hello, and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online service. We are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to our messages again, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the service. I'm delighted that I get to share God's Word with you again today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, like I said, I'm Dylan. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm delighted to be able to step in for Pastor Paul. We do try to have a preaching team here uh, so that this is not a work that's built on anyone's style or personality or person, that it's built by the Lord. And so I'm honored and glad that I can be in this place today. I feel particularly burdened as I've been reflecting on precisely how to share this message with you today. It's tempting when we listen to the Bible to merely analyze it instead of letting it examine us. A holy life or a righteous life entails honesty and vulnerability, and to do that, we need to not just be hearers of God's word, but doers of it. Three weeks ago, I shared with you a message about the importance of confession. We need to confess our sins to God and to others. And shortly after that, an outpouring of God's Spirit happened in Wilmore, Kentucky, in a little university called Asbury. And I was hopeful when I started to read about this, but I've become more hopeful when I've learned how it started. Uh, Now, this has been all over the media, from Fox News to CNN, uh, The Atlantic, irrespective of political orientation, people are interested in paying attention to this. This outpouring started, this outpouring started when uh, one brave young man shared his story in a university chapel when the service had concluded. Worship team had uh, gone off to lunch, and he got on the stage and confessed something very personal. It started with confession. He said that he'd been considering taking his own life and that he was so grateful that God had spared him. And the worship team came back when they heard that people were praying and confessing their sins, and they started to worship again. This has been going on now for about two and a half, three weeks. Asbury University hasn't moved off site because this little sleepy town of Wilmore, with only 6,000 people, swelled to over 50,000 and climbing in that time. And it started with confession. Jesus said it this way, Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. People have come from Singapore and Canada, all the way from Hawaii and Massachusetts, to come confess their sins and experience emotional and spiritual healing. This awakening, what some people call a revival, is something that we've been asking God for for a long, long time. Now, we don't need to copy Asbury. We... We just want God's presence here in this church. That's all we want. Similar to the Great Awakenings that started right here in New England 250 years ago, in my very bedroom I keep a quote from the first missionary ever that was sent out from the United States, Adoniram Judson. He, he left from Haverhill, Massachusetts, the town where I was educated. We long for that, and I've, I've never seen it in my lifetime, but I deeply desire it for us here today because I've discovered in my short life that nothing short of God can help heal my wounds. Counseling helps. Other people help. Preaching even helps. But nothing apart from the presence of King Jesus working through his Holy Spirit, can bind up my broken heart. 
And my prayer for us today is may the love and the holiness of King Jesus through his Holy Spirit awaken and renew us in his presence because nothing else is capable of healing us. Christians and non-Christians alike need this. An awakening is when we repent of our sins, experience freedom and healing, and our love for God and others deepen. They tend to fail or fall apart when they lose their outward focus. They're more focused on sensational signs and miracles than they are on the God who gives them, and they are on the people that God wants to love. But my, I'm very hopeful when I consider what's going on in our country right now, because instead of being that, instead of being the work of one worship experience, one celebrity preacher, one pastor, instead it's spreading to universities and churches all over the United States, and so I'm hopeful of what the Holy Spirit is beginning to do in our midst. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about what the Holy Spirit looks like when he works. The Holy Spirit begins his work by doing three things. Number one, he brings awareness and confession of sin. John 16, chapter 3 says, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Number two, the Holy Spirit brings freedom and healing and number three, the Holy Spirit fills our heart with love for God and for others. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, what does that mean? Freedom from what exactly? Freedom from the bondage and power of sin, and that happens by acknowledging your need before the Lord, by confessing your sin. When Jesus met lepers, for example, he didn't give them lessons he touched them and made them clean. In Matthew chapter 8, there's great crowds of people, just like we're seeing all over the news, and they're coming to Jesus. This has started breaking out in universities all across the country, and it started with young people. Young people in our church, I hope you listen to me very carefully. God hears your cry. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He sees you when no one else does, and he will not leave you as a spiritual orphan. He is your father, even if you've never had one or feel like you've had one, you can trust. God hears you. It was, it was through young people that this outpouring gained traction on TikTok. And young people from places all over the state, young and old, flew and drove to Wilmore, Kentucky in the hope that God would heal their hearts. And I hope, young people, you hear me, that God is not limited to Kentucky. He is not limited to any university. God's presence is available to all who would call on him, irrespective of class, place, background, or creed. Jesus hears those who will call on him. And now... They're carrying it back to their homes all over their country. It's become contagious because it's normal. It's, it's not sensational. People aren't flopping on the floor, but it's powerful and intense because it's humble and it's biblical. It's been called a revival of peace, and I think that that's very appropriate given how much anxiety plagues the young people in our country. Great crowds have come to Jesus from all over the states, just as they did in the New Testament. And with all these people surrounding the Lord in Matthew chapter 8, one little leper approaches Jesus. 
You can read about it in Luke 5, too. And his question is the question that's hanging in each and every one of our minds when we see things like this on the news. The leper asks Jesus, Lord, are you willing to heal me, too? That's what he asks. The leper's heard of Jesus healing blind people, healing the deaf. The leper's heard of what Jesus can do, but the leper comes to Jesus wondering, I wonder if he's willing to touch someone who's unclean like me. I wonder if he's willing to be near somebody like me. I wonder if God can heal and care about somebody like me. And that's the question on our mind. You see, this is the reason we chase, as human beings, all of this revival stuff. It's because we know we've tried everything else in our hearts. Counselors, doctors, and friends can help you survive your wounds, but they cannot heal your wounds. Neither can pastors, by the way. You've been wounded, and you've learned to survive that wound, but you don't know how to deal with it. And so our question becomes, Lord, are you willing to heal me too? Why do we care about this kind of stuff? Our fascination with Asbury has nothing to do with Asbury, but with us. We want to know, I've heard that you heal other people, Jesus. Do you see me? Are you willing to heal me too? Our hearts long for God to heal us, to speak to us, to notice us, not just other people. I don't know about you, but I wonder, are you tired of the anxiety, the depression, the grip that your sins have on your life? Are you weary from trying your best to survive and fix yourself and pave your own path in life? And like a leper, it eats away at your flesh. Maybe not literally, but God knows that the wounds within us are more fatal than the ones on our bodies. As the philosopher Seneca said, we suffer more in our minds than in reality. Who can heal that kind of wound? That's what we want to know. That's why we care about Asbury. That's why we care about a little town in Kentucky. Because we cry out with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, I see another law waging war within me, taking me captive to sin, making me obey its passions, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of sin and death? And so like the woman with the issue of blood, we're willing to spend anything, go anywhere, spend our life savings on doctors, fly to Kentucky, whatever it takes just to experience healing, like a leper that approaches the king asking, are you willing to do it for me too? And we fear that the answer will be no. A blind missionary named Fanny Crosby once wrote of this fear in her poem. It's more of a prayer, actually. And she said, Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. And so we approach the Lord trembling. We know deep down that he is holy and we are not. We have unclean lips, like Isaiah said, like, like the Apostle John said, we can't even look at him without fear because we know what dwells deep down within us and we are afraid to look on the face of God. Like the Apostle Paul said, we know that nothing good dwells in us, that is, in our flesh, and so we're afraid. When I spoke on confession, I didn't realize how timely it would be. But I can say this. 
if you want God's presence in your life, that's where it starts. A leper admitting his leprosy, a woman admitting her need to touch the edge of his garment, a person, young or old, who has tried everything to heal themselves, and they come up short, and it begins with a simple confession. But we're scared to be honest with God because we're not in control. We don't know if he's willing, if he'll be angry with us. And we hear this hesitation all over the scriptures, by the way. You are not the first to feel this. Psalm 85 speaks about revival. It speaks about spiritual renewal. And in verses 5 and 6, it says, Lord, will you be angry with me forever? Or Lord, will you restore me so that I could rejoice in you again? And that is what we fear, the tension. We feel we stand on the edge of a knife and we're not sure what edge will fall off on. We wonder what will happen if we're honest with God and with others. Will I be met with anger? Will I be met with rejection? Will I be healed or will I be left out to dry? Confession is scary, but it's essential to walk into the light. This sermon isn't like my usual sermons. Many of you have been listening to me for years. You know how I preach. I go through the scriptures. I exegete as faithfully as I possibly know how. I have clear, concise points, and everything is very tidy and super inspiring for you all, I'm very sure. That's a place for an amen, not a laugh. Just kidding. (laughs) But today is a little different. Today I find that my heart is preaching more than my mind. And my question for us, not you, us, is this today. Are we willing to take the first step so that God's Spirit can heal us? The only thing we can do that God is incapable of doing for us is to take the step into the light. It has different words. Sometimes it's called confession. Sometimes it's called repentance. Paul, or excuse me, the Apostle John phrases it this way. Step out of the darkness into the light. Acknowledge your sin and you will have fellowship with him and one another and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. But are you willing to take the step into the light? God will help you with every other step along the way, but he cannot take that step for you. It starts with confession. Since I preached that sermon on confession, quite a few men have stepped forward, texted me, visited me, come into my office to talk about their struggles. And I am convinced there is a need 20 or 10 times over out there. Not all of them are sins, by the way. Confession is about coming to God not only with our sins, but also our weaknesses, our struggles, our burdens, our embarrassments, our failures, and everything else in life that gets thrown at us because he's the only one who can help to heal us. Sometimes confession looks like talking to God about how you're crippled with anxiety. You have no peace. You're frozen by it. Or some of you have been transformed into accomplishment-oriented workaholics by it. And just because it's productive doesn't mean that it's not eating you alive like leprosy. It controls your life. Some of you might be smiling through a marriage that seems so hopeless you don't know what to do next. You feel alone, isolated, and too embarrassed to reach out to anyone. Some of us have been so overwhelmed with depression that all we can seem to do is climb in bed at the end of the day and sink 
under the weight of a dark cloud that keeps its weights on us. Some of you have been abused or hurt by someone who was supposed to love you and protect you, and you have been limping along with unquenchable pain since that day. You see, confession includes sin, but it also includes much more. Listen to the words of the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1. Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's all the Christians who have gone before us. It's a picture of all the Christians in a stadium. They're cheering your life on. They're saying, you can do it. I believe in you. I'm praying to God for you. That's the picture that we get. Since we're surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, it says, let us also, like they did, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely so that we can run the race that's set before us. You see, there are sins, but there are weights. Sometimes the thing holding you back from experiencing the healing presence of God isn't a sin at all. Sometimes it's just this heavy burden that you're dragging everywhere with you and you can't seem to be rid of it. It controls your every action and your every moment. Sometimes you wish you could just set the weight down, but you didn't pick it up. It's been strapped or lashed to your back. You've been wounded, and so have I. You have injuries that are of a spiritual nature, so it takes only a spirit to heal them. You've learned how to survive those wounds, but you don't have the power to heal them. There is only one who can do that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, you probably have sins and weights, not just one or the other. I have many myself. And I have men that intercede and pray for me regularly because I have my share of both. I long for God to heal me and help me. I carry around this little sobriety chip in my pocket and I share that struggle with a few good men like Anthony, Pastor Paul, and Adam. I was talking to Adam just this week. Sometimes the weight and the sin seems so overwhelming that all you seem to be able to do is put one foot in front of the other, but God is willing to help you. I need brothers and sisters to intercede for me, and so do you. But are we willing to take that step out in confession so that the Lord can heal us? Are we willing? And after I connected with Adam this week, I opened up to Luke 5. And I read the story of the leper, and tears started to come down my face. I remember in college, I read that same story, gazing down at the words of the leper, asking, Lord, are you willing to heal me? I know that counselors and medication and doctors and pastors are important parts of maintaining our mental, emotional, and even spiritual health. I welcome that. But I know that deep down in my spirit that no one but God Almighty can bind up my broken heart. And I read those words again, and Jesus' response to the leper is all the comfort in the world I ever need. I am willing. Be clean. The leper... The leper took the brave step, just like that young man at Asbury. And though a crowd was around Jesus, he thought, maybe God cares about me too. God honors that kind of faith. He notices you. 
One of my favorite stories in the Bible is from Genesis chapter 16. Hagar is cast out by Abraham and is in the desert getting ready to die with her son. And some of us have been there. We know what it's like when the man of God, the one favored by God, the person who's supposed to be the impressive one, and we look at them and think, man, they've rejected me, or, or God's done stuff for them, but I can't imagine he would ever do anything for me. And Hagar looks up to God and says, do you see me? Do you hear me? My son's about to die. I can't take this and God sends the angel of the Lord and she gives God one of the first names we ever hear in the book of Genesis you are the God who sees we talk all the time about Jehovah Rapha Jehovah Sidniku we talk about all these names of God but we don't focus on this one little name of God that's given by a woman who's not even Jewish because God saw her too not just the great man that everyone expects to receive from God the woman in the wilderness who's been abandoned by the one who is supposed to protect her God sees a person like that he certainly sees a person like you he hears you his word says that even if there's 99 others he needs to tend to, he'll come after you if you're the lost one. No burden goes unnoticed by the Lord. No weariness goes unmet. No exhaustion is unseen by the God who sees everything. He is willing to make you clean. Are you willing to take the step out? Just like the leper, just like Hagar, just like the young man at Asbury. Are you willing? This isn't about copying or chasing revival. It's about seeking God with an awakened heart, believing God that he says what he means and he does what he says. Both in our world and in our hearts, God has shown us that without him we can do nothing. These last three years have given us threats of war, shootings, pandemics, collapsing economies and more. They've, they've shown me that both in this world and within my heart are a raging storm I am incapable of controlling. Paul says that all creation groans waiting for our redemption in Romans 8. I think that God has allowed both our culture and us as individuals within this room to experience what it's like to be without him. I just read this week last year 10% of Gen Z attempted suicide and over a third of them said they've thought about it in the last three months. That is the highest rate out of any country in the world. Both in society and our hearts, we see desperation because we've chosen things other than God. Young people, I hope you hear me. Don't give up. God hears your cry, even if you feel like Hagar in the wilderness, even if you don't feel holy enough, even if somebody like Abraham's cast you out, even if you look at somebody else and think they're the one that God's, God listens to, God sees you. There is no freedom apart from God. There is no such thing as freedom from God. There is only bondage to sin and the crushing burden of weights too heavy to bear, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is confession, there is forgiveness, there is an abundance of love. I'm going to invite the worship team back. What I've enjoyed when I've read about Asbury is that the whole room becomes a place for God's presence. Whether you want someone to pray with you here at the front or you want to pray in your chairs, my encouragement today is that you would find someone and pray with them. Share the burdens. Take the first step into the light and practice confession. And if you're wondering 
What's going to happen? What will they think of me? What if God doesn't heal my heart? What if he's angry with me? Remember the words of Jesus to one brave little leper, I am willing, be clean. Remember that God will go out of his way when he sees a humble heart to help you. Even if there's 99 others he needs to tend to, he will seek and save that which is lost. Don't be afraid, because when you take that step of hope and confession, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, hope will never put you to shame because God has shed his love abroad in your hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given to you. Hope doesn't disappoint. Your hopeful step toward God will not end with a no. It will end with an I am willing. Be clean because God has already given his love to you through the Holy Spirit. I hope some of you hear this loud and clear. Some of you have heard maybe your whole life, some of you maybe only recently, that Jesus forgives sin. And it's something, yeah, you mentally agree to, you, you know it, that Jesus forgives. But I am here to let you know this morning that Christ can forgive you. He can forgive your sin, your addiction, your failures, your anger, your bitterness, your fear, your pride. Christ forgives you. He just doesn't forgive somebody else. He sees you and is willing to give his presence liberally to you. The scriptures say he gives his spirit without measure. It's not some far off thing. He actually sees the sins you've committed and is willing to say, I forgive you. I'm willing. Be clean. I won't leave you alone. I see you and I won't abandon you. And as we pray and worship and confess, I'm going to invite the pastors, elders, leaders. You can make your way forward now. Fill this altar. I hope you respond however you need to. The thing I love about Asbury is that some students quietly reflect in a corner and pray together while others are praying at the front with leaders. But take that risk. Whether it's someone near you or one of us, pray with someone. Turn to someone and with the sacred act of confession and prayer, step into the light. And the Lord will hear you. I'd like to end today with a psalm I read this week with Monica as we were doing some nightly devotions. It's from Psalm 30. I will praise you, Lord, for you've drawn me up. You've not let my foes rejoice over me. O oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's stand, let's worship, let's pray. Find somebody to pray with. You can pray with me or others at the altar if you would like. Thank you again for being with us today. To listen to all of our messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify. And go to lowellag.org or ne-cc.org to keep up with all of our news, updates, and events. Thank you, and God bless.